You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. We are gathered here as advisors, as scientists. The kind of place we expect a ghost to like to wander. Hey, we all know that we're going to die, baby. I'll help you. I'm something of a witch. Welcome to Mission Spooky. I'm your host for today, but usually just your cryptid enthusiast, Cord. And with me today, as per usual, is the queen of everything, Kiki. But we're missing JC. No host JC. <laughs> He's so lame, had to like work a job. How dare he? How dare he try to make money so that he can live and buy food? That's ridiculous. Not allowed. No, he knows how we feel about that. It's been revoked. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, shit. <laughs> oh, man. I don't have anything. I was going to say, I don't have anything to share, but the truth is, like, wow, man, television? Oof. <laughs> it's a thing. What is it? What is this, a Seinfeld joke? What the fuck? <laughs> what kind of opener is that? <laughs> yeah. That's what I was going for. Yeah. Television. Let me tell you. Television these days, huh? <laughs> you got the freaking Mandalorian today. You got the freaking Picard today. Catching up. I'm almost done on discovery season four then i gotta watch all of strange new worlds i if you're a sci-fi person right now it's like the best time to be alive it really is star wars star trek back to back i freaking love it we just had the oscars and everything everywhere all at once won and i was so excited because i love that movie and if you are a patreon subscriber at the five dollar level i'm gonna be on in a few weeks there's a poll out there for what to talk about. And right now, talking about the Oscars is winning. If you are joined at the $5 level, then um, I'll be on t- on a Tuesday night talking about the Oscars so far, just for funsies. Q&A, baby. Of course, you guys are invited. I'm not really sure you know, if you'll be able to come or not, because I know your work schedules are terrible. But I'm guaranteed to be there. Let's put it that way. All right, so we're going to cover a lot of really depressing territory. I'm deciding on what depressing thing to talk about first. Oh, Lord. What depressing thing we should end on. What are we talking about today? uh, Life is chaos. I've been sick for the last week, so I didn't have the energy to look up anything. (laughs) I'm I'm learning today. (laughs) This is why I had to give you and JC off the other week for the Sinead and Hutton massacre, because... You were sick as hell. JC just needed to take a day because <laughs> he's working nonstop. Yeah. As a mental health break, I'm the only one that's crazy enough to keep going. <laughs> I'm like, look at all this death and destruction. This is so exciting. <laughs> You're like, mental health? What's that? <laughs> yeah, I, I was writing the Jeanette and Hutton massacre and watching All's Quiet on the Western Front at like the same time. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, didn't want to have a good day that day, did no, you? No, I, I didn't. And I, I questioned my own sanity after making that decision. <laughs> the movie was great, though. <laughs> the massacre, not so much. Yeah, we're, we're talking about people getting messed up today, huh? 
We're also yeah, we're we're talking about a different massacre. We'll just uh, break for a sponsor and also for our October pod. If I haven't already posted it, uh, Misha Spooky teams up with Edward uh, and October pod for April Fool's Day. All three of us got in on that one. So anyway, when we get back, we will talk about the Battle of Bloody Brook. Sounds fun. It was for some people. April Fool's. Is it possible to truly be scared to death? To death? To death? April Fool's. Deadly amounts of adrenaline. Of adrenaline. Of adrenaline. Of adrenaline. April Fool's. Ghost can kill. Can kill. Rogue transmissions. April Fool's. Stories about fear, hoaxes, insanity existential dread and death featuring a selection of the finest indie podcasts including october pod brew crime spine chillers and serial killers mission spooky freaky af and reverie true crime coming to the podcast you're listening to right now on thursday march 30th 2023. Is it possible to be scared to death? Welcome back. All right, let's get let's get through it. <laughs> oh, did you want fanfare? My bad. Welcome back. No. <laughs> oh, that was that was very NPR. It was like welcome back. <laughs> Just, 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 all right, going to welcome back. Welcome back. We're a very serious history podcast today. We take this seriously now. Super serial. No jokes allowed. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start with the Battle of Bloody Brook. And this topic was chosen by our Patreon supporter, Frederick. While I was studying this, though, I was surprised to find out that this whole area around where this battle took place is filled with all kinds of ghost stories and really interesting history. Interesting meaning tragic and terrible. So I decided to tell the tale of the battle. And uh, I'm also going to talk a little bit about the whole town, which is Deerfield, Massachusetts. There's a lot of places to investigate here. It is also a super lovely little town. And like I said, tons of history. Frederick had also requested that I talk at some point about the walking purchase, which is a Pennsylvania, we'll call that a Pennsylvania betrayal. I'm actually going to do a side mission on two separate Pennsylvania betrayals of the native peoples who some people probably are familiar with walking purchase, but they probably aren't familiar with the second one. So that's going to kind of be a side mission. All right, Cordy, you ready for it? I've never been more ready. (laughs) Are you you ready to get depressed? (laughs) Uh... Already there. Let's go. <laughs> Depressed her. <laughs> uh, okay, we're kicking it up another notch. Yeah, yo. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the battle this episode is named for. There is one name and a war that should sound familiar if you've been listening to us for a while, and that is King Philip or Medicom and King Philip's War. Now, Medicom or Metacomet was the chief of the Wampanoag. His war with the New England colonists lasted for about a year between 1675 to 1676. And in our episode on cursed objects, we mentioned the cursed wampum belt of King Philip. The lead up to the war 
Well, I'm going to give you a brief summary. Much of the population of natives in this area had been decimated by disease brought in by the Europeans because they were so nice to bring that with them. <laughs> They're like, here, have some disease that you've never given in contact with. Oh, you're dead. Sorry. Much of the tribal lands had been lost. Some were legitimate sales to colonists and others were illegal land grabs. This was just one of the reasons why natives couldn't trust the colonists because they never knew if they were abiding by their own laws or not. And I will reiterate here, and something I talked about in two of our pirate episodes, is that the Puritans in this area were assholes. They didn't just try to land grab from natives, they also tried to land grab from other colonies as well. Just ask Maine, for example, how they felt about the Puritans of Massachusetts. Yay. Yeah, coming in, stepping over their boundaries, completely ignoring the, the laws of England at the time and, and the charters that were paid for by other people. Oh, yeah, they had some, you know, some people will say, oh, they have giant balls, but honestly, they're just fucking assholes. And then you're like, oh, I know why England got rid of these people. Oh, okay. <laughs> And then you're like, God damn it, England. What the fuck? Why did you send them here? So, yeah, you can still be part of England. Just do, go to the other side of the planet. <laughs> yeah, they were so happy to see him leave. So what you wind up having is that there's less land for Native Americans to use for hunting and agriculture. So uh, they're, they're already not too happy with the current situation with the colonists in Massachusetts. It's a good start. Good start. <laughs> yeah, no. The great sachem of Wampanoag Confederacy, Massasoit Osama Quen. Massasoit is not a proper name, in case you didn't know. It means the great sachem, basically. So he, that's his title, and then Osama Quen is his name. He had passed away. He had two sons that took control of the... Oh God, I tried to listen to how to say this, but I'm going to probably screw it up anyway. And I apologize. I believe in you. Pokinoket tribe within the Wampanoag Confederacy. And those two sons are Wamsuda and Medicom. Wamsuda was the elder son. Just keep that in mind. Okay. The fur trade starts collapsing in this area, and Wampasuda comes up with this great idea where he is going to start selling off small pieces of land to the colonists. And in doing so, he becomes pretty powerful as a land broker. Of course, the white leaders just can't have that. Now, can they? Right? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No. So the rumor begins that Wampasuda was conspiring with the Narragansetts to attack the English in general. Okay, so in 1662, Wamasuda was essentially kidnapped by the Plymouth court for, quote, questioning. Now, some historians will point to Governor Josiah Winslow as being an upstanding citizen and someone who would have upheld his father's traditions of peace with the natives. It's more likely that he ordered Wamasuda to be tortured, either the torture or the combination of torture and poison is what led to Wamsuda's death. Either way, it just sounds so fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm going to give you guys some facts, like not speculation, but actual facts concerning Governor Winslow's actions in a bit. But you can imagine that at this point, Medicom is already not happy. His older brother is trying to play by the colonist rules legally selling off small small portions of their land and they just couldn't have it if you're if you have more money than us then you'll be above us and that's not good because they're a bunch of racist assholes 
Yeah. So Medicom, in the meantime, since his brother was well-liked, is having a very difficult time taking over and keeping his own people under control because they want to fight the colonists, like, right away. Maybe he's giving Governor Winslow the benefit of the doubt, regardless of the very strange circumstances in which his brother died. Basically, he was told that he came, he was come in to ask him some questions about his possible involvement with the Narragansett, and then he just got sick and died. I, too, would have some questions about that, right? Of course, of course. Right, yeah. Yes. So... So maybe he's giving him the benefit of the doubt, or maybe he does know that something is amiss. But either way, he's going to ask his people to stand down and try to use this time to mend the fences between the, the two colonists and the natives. But instead, Winslow takes this opportunity to make matters worse. And this is where you have to question if he was doing this because he was recently diagnosed with tuberculosis and was like sick and just fucking miserable, or if he was truly an asshole and was not going to, you know, he didn't give a crap about what his father had in place at all either. He was more like just kill all the Indians. Right. So there is a famous native liaison working between the Wampanoag and the colonists. And that man's name is John Sassaman. He is murdered. It's found out that he's kind of acting as a spy. And the speculation is that he might have overheard Medicom's men talking about raiding the colonists in the area. Well, that's not actually speculation. It's, it's pretty much what he's going to claim. Sassamon himself. He's going to go right to the colonists and he's going to say, there is an impending fight. He tries to convince them to get ready and to possibly have a first strike kind of thing. You know, hit him first before they hit us. Sure, sure. But no one in the colony is going to listen to him. Which I think is sort of interesting to begin with. Maybe at this point, they're also thinking, like, mending fences. Let's not start a war. Let's not get too crazy here, right? Because all they want to do, technically speaking, is farm and live their life away from England and to, in their minds, not be persecuted for their beliefs. Yeah, yeah. But shortly after he fails to attempt to get these colonists all worked up about this, he disappears. Toward the end of January 1675, Sassaman's body is found floating in the Assawampset Pond. And I'm disappointed because if JC was here, he'd definitely have an ass joke about the Assawampset Pond. <laughs> JC, damn it. You had one job. Your only job should be to make fun of these names on this podcast. Man. How could you, JC? <laughs> well, technically, he has a couple jobs. He has to say the intro. He has to make fun of how old you are and make name jokes. Yes, and then he has the outro that he's supposed to think of. Yeah, which that's your job right now. So you gotta, you got time. Uh, listen, I come prepared. I know. I shouldn't yeah. even have to say anything. <laughs> so in June of that year, 1675, three Wampanoag natives are accused of killing Sassaman, and all three of them are going to be sentenced to death. Now, in all fairness, the trial is the first of its kind. It makes up of half colonists and half natives. So there are native peoples who are also accusing these men of killing Sassaman. This is Massachusetts, right? It is, yes. So the only real thing that I know about Massachusetts is that when you go on trial there from the Puritans, <laughs> it, it usually doesn't work out super good for you. <laughs> this is true. 
I don't know about this exact time. Like if most of them probably haven't happened yet, but I assume they already don't have a great track record with it. So uh, yeah, the the Salem witch trials are going to be in 1692. So we're still getting there. We're still making our way in that direction. We're getting there. Yeah. 1675. So yeah, this is the beginnings of trials not going well for people. Ah, okay. This is the precedent. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> right? Among them, though, among these three men, is a man named Tobias. He is Medicom's trusted advisor. I have my own opinion about Sassaman, which is that he may have deliberately been given false information to report to the colonists to prove that he was a spy for them. And he was going to start shit. And I think the Wampanoag just took matters into their own hands and got rid of him because, well, it was pretty obvious that rather than keep his mouth shut, the first thing he was going to do was go start trouble. And it's already a pretty delicate situation. So they were like, look, he's going to, I don't know. It's, it's very strange. It's very strange. But, but, you know, and then your best friend's basically like, you know, put to death for, so you've lost your elder brother to weird circumstances. Tobias gets killed. But I think it's interesting that rather than just let the natives distribute justice on their own for Sassaman, which it seems like they did, if it's if it's true that these three men killed him, Winslow inserts himself in there and involves a trial and doles out justice through colonial means with this jury. Through colonial means, meaning? Through this trial. Like, that's not... Okay. Sassaman was accused of this, and then he was brought in and questioned, and then they decided that he was a spy and he needed to be killed they do that and then all of a sudden the governor's like oh but he was my boy he was my best boy Uh. and so now someone has to pay for his death i'm like yeah but if they doled out the justice then why'd you get involved oh you got involved because he was your spy and he were mad about it if somebody has to pay for it it probably wasn't justice <laughs> yeah, I know. It's very that one's really complicated. I feel almost like if they just let it go. He was found in a situation in which they thought maybe he had slipped under the ice of the pond during the beginning of the month. All right. Cold, really cold, and then showed up later after the end of the month when the ice started to like go away. They thought that he'd actually just fell in there, slipped in there and died. Right? Made a mistake. Oh, he lo- he thought it was structurally sound, but it wasn't, and then right. he drowned. But then the colonists claim that his head had been twisted in such a manner to kill him. And I'm like, we're being asked to believe things that colonists are saying. And they've already lied. A lot. <laughs> like, a lot. Yeah. How do we know they didn't kill him to set this up? Yeah. It, yeah, it's very complicated. I might doubt about the whole murder. I just do. It's definitely murky water. But up up. Ha ha. I'm loving it. (laughs) Now I want a hamburger. So by the end of the month after this trial, colonists and Native Americans are burning each other's settlements to the ground. In the Massachusetts Bay Colony, settlers grew suspicious of even Native Americans who were considered to be friendly. They began exiling them. They also exiled the Native Americans who were, quote, praying Indians. Those were ones who had been converted to Christianity. If you listen to the Sinead and Hutton massacre, it's, it's after this, during the Revolutionary War, but it's the same concept. They convert to Christianity thinking that they're, quote, safe. Well, we believe in your God, so we're all good, right? No, fuck you. We're sticking you in a camp. And that's what they did. 
they set up praying camps and started sequestering all these all these natives who they had converted to Christianity. <laughs> I just want to punch some yeah. Puritans right in the face at this point. I just do. It gets worse because then the fighting is contained locally right now. So Governor Winslow, though, has this small window of opportunity to use diplomacy to stop the fighting and make sure it doesn't get out of hand any further. And instead, he chose violence. Yeah, just kind of forgot he had that uh, wild draw four in his Uno hand, huh? He woke up one day and chose violence. Yep. This is this mm. makes me so angry. I want to. Well, <sighs> welcome to humans. <laughs> Welcome to the founding of America. It's all based on a bunch of bullshit and hurting people. So he's going to gain the dubious distinction of being the first leader to use slavery as a weapon against the Native Americans. When several hundred Natives surrender to authorities in Plymouth and Dartmouth, rather than assure them the amnesty that they're seeking, as in, they don't want to fight in this fight. They want to stay out of it. They also just want to live their lives. Mm -hmm. Governor Winslow and his war council decided that all natives should be considered guilty of attacks on the colonists. And those peaceful natives seeking asylum were shipped out as slaves to the Spanish in Cadiz. Ah, doing the old racist brushstroke. Everybody's guilty. Gotcha. Uh-huh. Yep. Just like the Pennsylvanians will do to the Jeanette and Hutton Lenape. A while, you know, about 100 years later, <laughs> I think it's almost 100 years. Right. Again, colonists, may I remind everyone, are encroaching on native territory. The colonists have invaded their land and they're getting shipped out. I just. Uh, yeah. And, you know, here, I'll give you I'll give you a real world example that some of you maybe you agree with this and maybe you don't. But here it is. And it's a real world example of what we're seeing currently. Russia is invading a sovereign nation and deporting Ukrainian citizens to Russia and putting them in camps and gulags. They're also reinstructing children. This is all the same playbook that America did. Generally speaking, Americans say are supposed to be more educated. Dare I say, quote, woke. But, you know, that's what it's about. It's about, <laughs> it's about understanding. Woke just means that you've come to the realization that your country sucks. Mean. Russia is no different. The, they are the bad guys in the scenario, as well as, unfortunately, at this point, the Puritans are the bad guys. I can give you another example that's also pretty awful. The Dutch, some of the most cruel people in history, just historically speaking, not necessarily present day. No offense. <laughs> you sons of bitches. <laughs> well, <laughs> my English family definitely has some feelings about the Dutch. <laughs> yeah, I won't get into that. But anyway, um, they're not currently invading Suriname and then hanging, quote, unruly slaves by the rib. Oh, fun. That's a new one. Yeah, they would stick a, a giant hook through you. So the hook went through your torso and hooked around your rib and then they would hang you that way. Like the old uh, Texas chainsaw, huh? Mm. Give them the old meat hook. Yeah, that that's exactly how they treated the people for, of Suriname. They were invaders as well. They were like, oh, I like your island. I think I own it now. Fun stuff. The natives are angry. <laughs> They're really, really, really angry. And they have every right to be at this point. Summer of <laughs> The summer of 1675, it sounds like a, a song that a certain Canadian should be doing a song about. 
in the summer of 69. Anybody? Okay. Anyway, the summer of I, I, I got it. I got it. Thank you. Okay. I, I, I got just, it. In case other people didn't get it. Uh, I guess I got to make the obligatory since I'm being JC. You mean like a 1579 or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you. The natives are getting a taste of victory. They have overrun many settlements and villages in Massachusetts. Settlers are forced to abandon their homes. And by 1765, September of 1675, they are gathered in the blockhouse at Deerfield. They don't have enough supplies for winter. So they're going to send out a team of 18 Teamsters. I know some of you might be like, Teamsters Union? What? It's the Wagoneers. It's the guys who are going to have the wagons and the horses, and that's their job. That's where that comes from, in case right. anybody was wondering. These 18 Teamsters are going to be under the guard of Captain Thomas Lothrop. With them are going to be 70 new recruits for the military, and they're going to help gather and harvest grain so they can bring all this back and shelter in place for the winter. The harvest and supplies get loaded up without any trouble. I'm sure at this point, many of the men started to feel like they were going to make it back to the blockhouse safely. Right. They start heading back to Deerfield on September 18th of 1675. It was noted that the men took a short rest during this trip, and some of those recruits laid their firearms in the wagons while they went out foraging. They're kind of looking for berries and one book says uh, grapes, like wild grapes. So they're just looking for some snacks to have while they're resting. Lothrop and his men had no idea that a large force of natives had been silently following them. As soon as the men get comfortable to take a rest, the natives attacked. Most of the men, including Captain Lothrop, are killed in the first volley of arrows and gunfire. There is a Captain Mosley and his troop of 60 soldiers in the area. They were basically just patrolling and happened to hear what they sounded like to them was fighting. And they race in that direction to join the fray. The battle's going to play out for over six hours until a group of 100 Connecticut soldiers and their Mohegan allies show up. This to me is interesting because Connecticut had a very different approach when it came to Native Americans. I'm not saying that they were like super great, but at least at this point, you know, the Mohegan are a tribe. They are fighting together. They're a cohesive unit and it, it was like that in pennsylvania for a while too of course there's always somebody that fucks it up always always finally outnumbered the local natives the ambushers right they retreat into the forest right the surviving soldiers drag themselves back to deerfield where they stay for the night there's a bit more intricate detail about the fight and that is going to be found in a really good book called Flintlock and Tomahawk by D.E. Leach. In case anybody wants to check that out, I'll try to remember to put that in the show notes because that's where a lot of the battle information comes from. The next morning, the soldiers return to bury the dead in a mass grave. There's going to be 90 people killed in total. Most of the names are preserved, which is was good. Like they knew who these people were. Right. Almost all of them, though, are very young men with no wives or children of their own yet most likely because they were newer recruits. So they were pulling the younger guys in for this particular mission. It was noted, though, that one of the Teamsters who perished had three sons with him, and they all died together. In 1838, there is a minor excavation of the site to ensure that it did, in fact, have the mass grave there. So once that was established as, yes, this is where it was, they put up a flagstone bearing the name of Captain Lothrop and a summary of the event. 
Interesting to note that many of the soldiers who lost their lives here were from the coast. So they were fishermen and, and shipbuilders. They were basically recruited to come in and defend the interior. Uh. And a lot of them come from Essex County. The grave, the monument, and the site of the battle are all located in South Deerfield, Franklin County in western Massachusetts. And yes, you can go there. The other reason we have some extraneous information that we wouldn't normally have is that there were survivors. A few. <laughs> I mean a few. Of the 90. There's Robert Dutch. He's originally a fisherman from Essex County. If you type in Robert Dutch and type in uh, Bloody Brook Massacre, his family has some interesting stuff about him. He's got a whole family tree. So originally he was a fisherman. He wound up getting into agriculture later. He is found by Mosley and his men, gravely injured, stripped naked by the natives, and basically left for dead. He's the worst off of, of all the survivors. He still managed to pull through. I am. Henry Bodewell, same thing. If you look him up, his family tree is available. It says that he had a broken arm because a musket ball went through his left arm and like broke his arm, but he had managed to continue fighting. Interesting. Henry is listed on people who perished, but then if you read like from the historical site, but if you click on his name and read it, it he did survive. So it's, it's, that was a little confusing. Not only does the note say that he survived, but also his family history says that he did survive. Uh, then there's John Stebbins. This guy must have had like super protection from some god because he also has a very long family history available online. It says that he bravely jumped into the fray to fight alongside his comrades. He's essentially going to be saved when Mosley and his, and his men arrive. He is the only person who sustains no injuries during this battle. Damn. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> to me, that's like, holy shit. Nothing? Wow. He must have had a good hiding spot or something. <laughs> right? That's what I was like. <laughs> when you say bravely jumped into the fray, do you mean hid under dead bodies? Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh... Yeah. And I'm not judging if that's how you survived. It's just really funny. That or he's the luckiest dude. <laughs> That's what I said. I was like, holy shit. And then there were two other men who don't have a whole lot of information other than they are survivors. John Toppin and Thomas Vary. So we're talking about literally, what, five out of almost 100 90, people? Yeah. 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 Just over Jeez 90. Louis. Yep. That's it. That's all the survivors. So the bubbly little brook that used to be referred to as Muddy Brook, according to those who had witnessed the massacre and survived, they say it was tainted with the blood of those slain near it, and hence the locals grew to call it Bloody Brook. Deerfield becomes abandoned shortly after this, and then the village is destroyed by King Philip's warriors. Just because fuck it? Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck you. We talked a little bit about the aftermath of, you know, this is just the worst battle like with the most lives lost during the war we talk more about what happens after with king philip in that episode of the cursed wampum so that's a cursed objects episode if you want to go back and listen to that i can just basically sum up by saying that he is eventually going to be hunted down and killed himself and after that his his warriors are going to try to fight but they're extremely disorganized after that and they lose and they lose big and all that's going to be left to the colonists now as for the haunting in this location, I feel like this is another area that's poisoned by negative emotion and tragedy. Kind of touched on that in the Janadenhutten massacre where it's very similar. Over there, that one was in Ohio. They think they can hear screams and it's a very solemn place. You can go quiet and then you, they think they hear you know yelling and praying because those were, quote, praying Indians when they passed 
they were Christians and they were praying to the Christian God and asking them, please don't kill us. Yeah. Yeah. That was a tough Man, one to do. Come on. That was really fucking tough to do. Yeah. Uh, as far as me writing it and reading about it, I was like, oh my God. And I, you know, also full disclosure, I am not Native American, guys. Like I have zero. There is not an ounce of blood. I feel like it's important that we all know about this stuff. Yeah. We just have a shred of empathy here. Jesus. Exactly. Yeah, really. There's no agenda other than history. That's it. There's also a few people who have said that they swear they saw, you know, people walking around in colonial dress just wandering and then they just disappear also the gunfire screams as if the area is like replaying and repeating that history at certain times i would love to be able to try to get john sable on here but he is i am been reading a lot of his stuff and he is very much of like there's a trigger for this like maybe somebody is sensitive or maybe there's someone who knows the history and they're remembering and then that could cause like a trigger effect. Maybe that's why we see things repeating itself. So it's not actually a sentient haunting. It's more like residual. Right. But possibly caused by you. By me. Well, not you personally, but you know. Maybe by me. Yeah, maybe. Maybe now. Maybe that you know. See, that's an hey, interesting. Yeah, experiment. I'm gonna, I'm gonna help it now. <laughs> right. I, seriously, I kind of want to go to some of these places that we can get to now. Um, this isn't too far. I mean, this is Mass. It's a nice little vacation. The town's beautiful. Here's the thing. For, the, though um deerfield is like a, a massacre place this this is crazy long before bloody brook there's something called the raid on deerfield or the deerfield massacre and this occurs during queen anne's war on february 29th 1704 french and indian raiders under the command of jean baptiste hertel de Rouville, and i don't speak french so probably Rouville. yeah Rouville. Her yeah. Hertel de Ruville. I don't know. Anyway, Jean Baptiste, <laughs> this asshole. He he. They attack the English in Deerfield. They burn down parts of the town. They kill forty-seven colonists. The raiders leave with one hundred and twelve colonists as captives, and they're going to force them to walk overland three hundred miles to Montreal. Ooh, ooh. Uh, obviously, some of those people died on the way there yeah because it's yeah. february yeah i was in montreal in january for an archaeology conference and was kind of like why are we going to canada in january yeah why the hell would you do that it did nothing but snow the whole time i was like i mean not duh that was expected but yeah they weren't thinking too straight it made that date i was like i want to go but <laughs> come on man like I got to go for, well, I had to pay for my hotel, but entrance was free because I was a, I volunteered to help out. You were too cool for school. I was. Yeah, I got, me and my friend got in for free. Another fellow historian. Okay. So some of these people die. Also, if they're unable to keep up, they just outright kill them. Here's where the ghost story comes in. One of these people is Eunice Williams. According to her husband, who survived, Eunice had just given birth the day before the raid so she's still recovering from giving birth her child that she just had is not going to survive the initial attack so she's being forced to march when she kind of realizes and so does her husband at one point that she is not going to make it they're going to kill her because she's dead weight <laughs> that's not funny um her her husband and five of her seven children total watched as they dragged her into the waters of the Green River and tomahawked her to death. Oh, fun. 
Yeah. Apparently at least one swift stroke. So not a bunch of like, you know, hacking. More like a, just a done. I'm not. No. no. <laughs> You're like, nope. no. No. <laughs> so this is near Greenfield, Massachusetts, where, where this death is taking place, where the river is. There is a covered bridge there. They cross the river and it's called the Eunice Williams Bridge. Uh, it's, it, you know, commemorating her and commemorating her death place there's also one of those historical markers there as well so she is said to kind of hang out here some people feel like um she's maybe looking for her family i don't know i hate to think that she's stuck you know in the same place that she died so violently <laughs> you'd, yeah, you'd think that she'd go a... back and haunt her house where she was happy i don't know i'm just i mean i guess that's not where all the emotions are i I don't know (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know that's why i'm like god i hate that it's always like this negative place and then people see her and get you know like like she's stuck there it's kind of sad now it is interesting to note that one of her children who was abducted did not return but instead was adopted into native culture and it was the one that was named after her so there was like eunice williams junior if you will she just totally accepts native american life and and doesn't ever want to come back she marries into the tribe she's happy she doesn't even speak english anymore she just dumps the whole thing rumor is like maybe she's hanging out there because she's i don't know thinking about the fate of her daughter she i i don't know i don't buy that really either but i do think that it was interesting that her daughter like left english society after this yeah it's in the same area. This fisherman is is said to have been fishing like on the one side and uh, it's right next to like where the covered bridge is. Right. So he's just minding his own business. He's fishing. And then he sees a woman that looks like she's like in a white outfit. Another one of these women in white. She's across the way. She's kind of like across the other side and kind of diagonal down a little bit down river from him. So, of course, this catches his eye. He's like, huh, that's weird. In the instant that he looks away from her and starts watching his fishing line again he then feels a presence next to him and looks over and that same woman is right next to him that is a great story and that would scare the ever-living shit out of me yeah i think it would scare pretty much anybody (laughs) even if that is just a tall tale that is some actual scary shit that's horror movie stuff that's like you don't want and i'm most horror films they pick up on something somewhere from, you know, history. So if that happened to me, I'd be like, where's my fishing line? I don't give a shit. Yeah, fuck, I can make I, I can make another poll. See ya. Yeah, goodbye. So that's an interesting area, kind of a neat haunt. Plus, it's a beautiful location. So I always say about these things, if you go and investigate, the Green River is beautiful. The covered bridge is there. I love covered bridges. I have two of them within like five minutes of my house. So I just I love them. You and your you and your roofs. Yeah, me and my roofs. Also connected to the Williams family is the old Deerfield burying ground where during this same raid, two of, of her children were murdered. I feel like they got rid of the younger children because they knew they weren't going to make it 300 miles. Oh. Yeah. And their housemaid. So they killed two kids and the housemaid who tried to escape. There was a hidden tunnel beneath the home and it ran out towards the Deerfield River but they were caught and yeah. This all sounds like a really bad time. Yeah, February 29th even. Leap day? Uh, didn't even have to happen. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know, right? 
They're like, damn it. It's claimed that it's every leap year you can go to that area and you're going to hear the sounds of basically her crying, I guess, is, is the idea. She was definitely galped and hacked to death with a tomahawk. So not good. Yeah, it definitely doesn't sound good. It's all bad. Yeah, so let's see. <laughs> what What's the other ghost story from this area that's not totally horrible? The Deerfield Inn. Let's, you know what? I'm going to end on the Deerfield Inn because it's just a nice place. It's not too overly terrible. <laughs> yeah, we'll end on a high note. <laughs> not women getting hacked to death by Tomahawk. So the Deerfield Inn is a historic site. It is a beautiful little hotel. This inn opened in July of 1884. We're past a certain point in history now. So, <laughs> so this one is just a straight up, like, the folks who owned it seem to have liked it so much that they hang out there. Presumably the spirits that, that are in this house are actually John and Cora Carlisle, and they owned this together. John passed away in 1932. After John passed away, Cora started having seances in the home in an attempt to connect with her husband. The one room that she consistently used is room 148. That is the one that says, most people will say that that's the center of spirit activity. Now, what do we always talk about with seances? <laughs> Ouija boards. Don't do it. Don't do that, man. Just don't do it. Why are you doing that? <laughs> People will say they hear voices coming from that room when they know it's empty. The doors won't stay closed. They kind of just open on their own. That's that's a one that I've heard many times in, in different hotels that are supposedly haunted. I love when it's like, I know I locked that damn door, like, especially with housekeeping. They're like, I cleaned it. I locked it. I walked away. I come back down the hallway. The damn door's open again. Yeah, I don't love that because that used to happen in my apartment when I had one. See? And <laughs> you're like, college. am I crazy? Yeah, no, I, I had to sage that apartment every couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> There's a story that there was a fire in that room in 1979 and that there were guests in the room at the time of the fire and that something pushed them out of bed to get them up and out. That's interesting. Yes. Other people say that this actually sounds more connected to something like that, is that Eloise Southerd was a housekeeper there, and that it's very possible that she's maybe one of the spirits who still lingers a little bit. That's only interesting to me because that sounds like something a housekeeper would do. You know, like if you have the ability to save someone's life because there's a fire, I don't know. Maybe not today, but back in that back in those days. <laughs> today housekeepers are like, fuck you, I'm out of here. Oh hell no. I gotta ask my cousin about that. She'd probably think that's funny. If she's maybe she's listening to this episode. She's supposed to listen, my damn cousin. I love her so much. Uh she's actually head of housekeeping in a hotel that will remain nameless just because, you know anonymity yeah she's head of housekeeping so i think she probably think that was funny i'd be like so today if there's a fire are you rousing people are you just hoping that the siren goes off and then are you like getting <laughs> getting the fuck out like legit and that's the other thing too like back in those days there wouldn't have been necessarily been a good you know fire type deterrent like when eloise was alive i'm saying and then you know like i don't know i i I like to think that's kind of charming. Like, she's like, get out of bed. I'm going to save your life. Yeah. Like, unless like unless they had, like, a bell ring or something. But <laughs> I think yeah. screaming would be probably the easiest way. And then also about the whole, like, door not staying closed. That maybe she's, like, going in there to clean. We, I, am so excited to announce 
The next band, our featured band today, is Widow Rings with their song Guillotine Baby. Widow Rings is out of Virginia, and it is widow and then rings so it's not like one word guillotine baby is their latest release and you can purchase that on Bandcamp, like we did it just came out at the end of january they are well you're about to hear them but they're kind of like a goth type band imagine that kiki's playing goth again <laughs> i know it's like the only thing i'd dead kiki's playing her goth again <laughs> well, apparently i'm going to see the cure with with jess yeah. with jess which I'm stoked as hell about. We're going to play Guillotine Baby for you. And when we get back, we'll uh, do our usual begging you to join us on our usual bullshit. listening today thanks for joining us for some more massacre i'm not a hundred percent sure that i'm gonna stick with the original schedule i think i changed it slightly because i thought it'd be fun i don't know if the word fun actually applies maybe i thought it'd be interesting if i did a whole bunch of massacres one after another right because they kind of like oh it's kind of flowing you know like we got the Sinead and hutton we'll have bloody brook We got the next one coming up with a a wonderful guest. Shout out to Kevin. I'm not, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to have to just do the last one, the last like terrible massacre. Then we have an awesome interview after that with a director. Haha. And uh, then then we're going to be moving into spring. And so I decided after that, we're going to definitely make it more fun. (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't know how you can get more fun than this subject, but <laughs> we're we're gonna have the summer of haunted places that you might want a vacation to. Ooh, are we going to haunted beaches? That's if we do, I'm seriously thinking about it. That'll be volume two, haunted shores, volume two. Hell yeah! So there's still a lot to talk about, and it's time. I think it's time to revisit that so i have who i have some stuff planned it's so exciting so anyway if you want to join us head over to patreon.com slash mission spooky we have tiers at the one three and five dollar levels because we know that everyone's broke there's no point in making it any higher than five it's fine (laughs) one single buck is going to get you our undying gratitude access to our booper reels access to our archive state episodes with just me and jc and of course a shout out on the cast Thank you to all our Patreon supporters currently. We love you guys. Is going to be a state episode coming up at the $3 level. 
that is not going to have an archived episode because it is a state that we had not talked about yet. So it's going to, but the booper reel is still going to be there for the dollar level. So as I said, $3 gets you access to that, those newer state ones that we just did and side mission early access and anything extra that I want to do that I call Kiki's quirks. I haven't been, I got to make a list. I think I'm going to pull some, some page, the patrons again. You also get the stat block card and the art card for our cord versus cryptid stuff. And we are locking down that as we speak. So hopefully in the next month, we'll have cord versus cryptid back. And we already have the two planned. And then I have yes. the next two in my head. But I'm not going to tell you what they are, cord, because it's going to be exciting. Yes. I will defeat them either way. <laughs> Okay, a $5 level gets you access to the private Discord server, which, as I said, once a month, I'm now just kind of hanging out on there, and I pull people on our Patreon to see what they want to talk about. Right now, the Oscars is winning, just to chat about Oscars in general. Anyone can join our regular Discord community, which we are trying to grow. We have channels for ghosts and cryptids and ufos a place to promote yourself if you're an artist or author musician or a fellow podcaster we also have a DD chat in there and general gaming if you just want to nerd out and you can follow us on twitter until it self-destructs and on instagram at mission spooky don't forget to rate and review us on itunes podchaser and good pods just be kind we also do have a website available and i am currently writing out better all the episode notes because i do have all the notes and i have all of the what's that word i'm looking for cord the uh references yes that's it yeah thanks i helped <laughs> you did yes i have i have the references for that too uh, I usually try to put those in the show notes, but I also want to create sort of a blog where it's all in one place so even if i don't have the whole thing written out you can still go there to click on it and see where the references are so that's that's been a task because i had to redo the entire website to start with so that's done you can also find us on youtube now we in the past had done horror movie reviews and i just put one up the other day we did a spoopy horror film review that kind of forgot that we did it i was cleaning out our files on my computer and i was like what is this oh shit that's the spoopy one so the three of us did animated reviews for Frank and Weenie, Paranorman, and the Adams Family. Yeah. Yeah, I bet you forgot that you did it too. I didn't forget that I did it. I forgot <laughs> that it was it it wasn't up. Right. So those are on those are YouTube exclusives. Uh, we are thinking. Well, I'm thinking about maybe it'd be fun to also do some paranormal documentary reviews. As well yes. as horror films, because yes. I got a lot to say about some. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and y'all yes. might want to hear our opinions about some of these shitty documentaries and also brilliant documentaries. For example, I just I just watched a documentary on the Flatwoods Monster, and it was really really Wh entertaining. Which one was it? Because I watched one a couple years ago. This one was available on Tubi, the freebie to watch. And I think it was just called The Flatwoods Monster. But it had the original uh, people who were the two people that were still alive that they knew where they were. They were there. I think I think I watched that one. It was good. Yes. Flatwoods Monster Legacy of Fear. It was good. 
And there was some other documentaries I watched that were really bad. <laughs> I need a list of of documentaries to intake. Oh god, that some of them were just they they were Bigfoot documentaries and it was not good. <laughs> just say that it was not good. So just in general, go subscribe to our YouTube channel because we will have some at least those movie reviews are exclusive and hey Cord and I might do documentaries. JC's invited, but you know, since he has to work and like earn money and stuff for food, I don't know. Lame. I know. So lame. All right. Well, until next time, stay spooky and don't die. But if you do, contact us. Okay. So this one might be a little hard, but I want you to contact us by going back through this episode and at the first break entering what you wanted to say as a cheesy joke <laughs> because I intentionally didn't want to put one in this time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tonight, I, we have done.